We have a friendly church. I love it. Amen. Well, once again, welcome everybody to Life Church. We're so glad to see you here this morning. A couple new faces. And just want to especially welcome you. Hope you felt welcome this morning. Also, all those watching online this morning, again, just wanted to say hi to you this morning at home. Um, hope that you've enjoyed the service so far. And we're really looking forward to what God's about to do. You guys, we are coming to the end today of Summer at Life Center. How many people have enjoyed this summer here? Isn't it been nice? There's been a few mornings in particular where we come out here and the sun's shining and it just feels like the beach down here. It's got such a cool vibe. Um, and I know I've really enjoyed the opportunity to come here. Obviously, we've been doing a sermon series for those who haven't been with us through the book of Acts. And the title of that sermon series has been We the Church. We're going to continue that today. But I just want to highlight once again that next week, church, we are not going to be here. We're going to announce it later, but I'm going to tell you right away up front here just so that we're really, really, really clear about it. If you show up here next Sunday at 1030, you're, the door is going to be locked. I'm sorry. And you're not going to be able to get in. And why is that? Because next week, we are migrating back to White Rock Christian Academy, and we're moving into the new thing that God has for us. And how many are excited for God to move? How many know that, that God is always doing a new thing? And we believe that next week, again, is going to be the kickoff to the new thing that God wants to do at Life Church. And we're really excited to kick off our fall series. It's going to be kind of a vision Sunday next week. We're going to be having a party in the parking lot. We've got some bouncy castles for the little kids and for the other kids. We've got uh, some hot dogs so you can stay around for lunch afterwards. It's going to be an amazing time. We're going to talk to you a little bit more about that later. But I just wanted to highlight that right off the bat. But what we have been doing here as we close out our sermon series and our series here at Life Center is we've been doing a series entitled We the Church. And what we've been doing is going through the book of Acts and we've been going chapter by chapter, kind of highlighting a different idea from each chapter and then moving into the next one. And this morning we are concluding our series in the book of Acts and we're going to be in the book, uh, pardon me, in the chapter of Acts chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to open up to that Acts chapter 10. We're going to be reading this morning from the New Living Translation. So if you have a different translation, we're going to have it up on the screen for you. But before we do that, I want to kind of give you a little bit of a, a summary of what we're about to talk about. Um, if I were to title this message this morning, the title of the message would be Church on Mission. Church on Mission. And how many know that God has called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel? God has called us as the body of Christ to be his representatives on this planet and see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many know that this morning? And I got to be honest with you, when I began to understand this idea as I grew up, I grew up a pastor's kid, I grew up in the church, and this idea in a, in a lot of ways really overwhelmed me. And let me tell you why it overwhelmed me. What I discovered young in life, when I first got married, I got a job in sales, and I discovered that I was a terrible salesman. And here's why, two reasons. Number one, I, have a social, I had a major social problem, illness at that time, called TMI. Anybody ever heard that before? <laughs> Too much information. And then number two, there's this overwhelming pressure that if you don't sell, then you can't feed your family. And those two things together just made me an awful salesperson. I got to be honest with you. I worked at the time in cell phone sales. I worked for a, a, a company. I can tell you about it now because it was like 20 years ago. I worked for TELUS at the time. And I would, I, my TMI was, was brutal. 
You know, I'd get on the phone with somebody. I'd be like, hey, man, we've got the best uh, uh, cell network in the entire province. You definitely want to go with TELUS. Okay, but is it the best deal out there? No. What do you mean it's not the best deal? The best deal right now is Fido. 40 bucks a month, unlimited. You should check it out. TMI, right? TMI. I give too much information. And then I'd be feeling this incredible pressure that I needed to, I needed to sell these guys because if I didn't sell them, I couldn't feed my family. I couldn't pay my rent. So, but, but you should definitely check out TELUS because I'm a nice guy and you should go with that. And I'd try and push people towards the phone. I was, I was terrible at it. Now, you can imagine the type of pressure that I would feel when I was trying to witness to somebody. You know, that pressure that I get in front of them and, and I'd start talking to somebody. And as I'm talking to them, all of a sudden this thought would come to my mind. What I'm about to say could impact this person's eternal destiny. Okay, this better be good. Let's start at Genesis, you know, and I'd TMI. TMI. Anybody ever felt that pressure before to witness? But church, what if it's not on us to save people? What if we serve a mighty God who cares more about people than we could ever care about people? What if there is a God who's orchestrating all around us encounters that he has set up for us so that we could reach out and we could be ministers of the gospel to the world around us? Church, we the church, here's my statement today. Are you ready for this? This is radical. We the church are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. And if you don't know, that is our purpose statement at Life Church. We, the church, are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. And the story that we're about to read from Acts chapter 10 is about the expansion of the gospel. It's about how God orchestrated a situation and created a space for somebody to go forward and bring the message to a people that nobody at the time thought could receive it. But God orchestrated it, and he made it happen, and he brought it about. And we're going to see this morning how that happened. What this is going to look like is we're going to read the first 20 verses, okay, verses 1 through 20, to give you the cadence and the rhythm of the story. Then I'm going to summarize the last part. And then what we're going to do is we're going to pull up four observations this morning, four observations about how this pertains to the mission that God has for the church, Okay. And so we're going to pull up four, and then we've got a secret guest speaker at the end who's going to conclude with our fourth one. And she's sitting right here. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. TMI. Right. Yes. TMI. Sorry. I'm really bad at this. <laughs> uh, what's that? Not a secret anymore. Sorry. Yes. But she's awesome. She's my secret weapon. Not so secret. Okay. Anyways. Uh, uh, TMI. Acts chapter 10. So here we go. New Living Translation. And uh, just to give you a little bit of a context here, uh, this is a story about a man named Cornelius, who is a, a captain in the Roman army, and also about his interaction with the apostle Peter. Here we go. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius st stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now, send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore, a house on the beach. Come on. And as soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called them, uh, uh, called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Now, the next day, 
As Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. So while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners, and in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. Okay, let's pray. Then I'm going to summarize, and then we're going to preach. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we come under the authority of your word. We recognize, God, that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. We, we recognize that your word will accomplish what it is set out to do, and it will not return void. And so this morning we pray, Lord God, that you would take these words uh, that I'm about to speak, Lord God, these lips of clay, Lord God, and God, you would add your anointing and your fire to it, Lord Jesus. We pray that the words that come forth, Lord God, would not return void, but that, God, we would be changed by your presence and that we would all be the same. We thank you for these things now in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Now, to summarize, Cornelius, a captain in the Roman army, had become a devout follower of Jehovah. He was a follower of the Jewish God. At some point along his life, he had encountered devout Jews and had been inspired, inspired to serve this God. We don't know why. We don't exactly know how. We just know that somehow God had been calling to him, and he had been faithfully responding to this call. And as he was praying... He had a vision of an angel who told him to find Simon Peter in Joppa. Meanwhile, the following day, Peter was in prayer in Joppa, and God gave him a vision. And Peter saw a large sheet come down from heaven with ceremonially unclean animals on it. It was given a charge, and it was this, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And he said no. <laughs> he said no. But then God gave him the vision two more times. After this, at that very time, two Gentile servants and a soldier came looking for Peter at Simon the, Simon the Tanner's home. And that's where Peter was staying at the time. And these, two, these three men come out there. And as they show up, God gives Peter insight and says, I want you to go down. There's some men that are coming for you. I want you to do what they tell you to do. And Peter, I'm going to give you a little bit of background here. Peter goes down and invites them in for a meal. Now, this is a big deal in those days because Jews were not to interact with Gentiles. What would have been kosher at that time is for Peter to stand at the door and have a conversation with them and say, okay, I'm so glad you guys came. There's a great inn just down the road. You should go stay there, and then we'll go tomorrow. But Peter had this fresh revelation that God was doing a new thing, and he was opening up the kingdom to those that before had been felt to be unclean and common. And so he, get, he invited them in, and he had them in for a meal, and he let them stay the night. The next morning, they went back to Cornelius' home in Caesarea, they walked together. They came to Cornelius. And when they met together, Cornelius was so overwhelmed by, this, um, by, by, by Peter coming to him that he actually knelt down in front of him. And Peter says, D do not so. I'm a man just like you. 
So he stands up, and Cornelius and him interact, and they begin to share their testimonies with each other. Hey, this is what happened to me, says Cornelius. I, I had this angel appear to me, and, and, and this is what he told me to do is come and get you to give me a message. And Peter says, that's great, because I, I, I had a vision as well, and this is what God told me. And he told me I'm not supposed to treat what, is, what, is, um, what God has called clean as common or unclean. I, I need to treat you uh, with respect and honor, and I need to honor whatever God's calling me to do. So he does this, and then he begins to preach the gospel. It means to tell them about Jesus. And the Bible says that every person that heard the message was filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. The disciples that were with Peter were overwhelmed by this. And, and, and they were blown away. And they said, well, if they get filled with the Holy Spirit, then we ought to baptize them as well. And so they did. They baptized them in water. And that day, everybody who heard the message received Jesus and had their lives completely transformed. That's the story that we're digging into today. And so here's, here's the big idea once again. We, the church, are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. Church, I'm going to give you this morning four points, four observations from this passage that pertain to the idea that we are the church on mission. Here's the first one. You ready? Number one, God chose a man, not an angel, as his messenger of the gospel. So what happens? Cornelius is in prayer. He's a faithful man. And an angel of the Lord appears to him. Now imagine this testimony. Yes, I was in prayer one morning. And the Holy Spirit came in the form of an angel. And the angel spoke a message to me about Jesus the Messiah. And I responded to the message. And my entire household was saved. Wouldn't that be a dramatic testimony? Yeah. A dramatic enough testimony? I mean, couldn't the angel have just you know, appeared to him and then given him the message right there? In fact, why don't angels just go around right now and give this message to everybody on the planet? Because he could. God could appear to everyone. But this is what God did. He didn't choose to use an angel to share the message of Jesus. He brought the angel to send him to the messenger. And he chose to use a man to declare his truth. And church, I want to tell you this right now. God has chosen and he has set up the body of Christ and we, the church, to be his messengers on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We are the messengers. And there's something powerful that happens when we declare the truth of the gospel. Um, in Acts chapter 10, 14, it says that uh, Cornelius stared at him in terror and said, What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. He could have used anybody, but he chose to use a man. And I want you to know that, that God wants to use us. God has a plan for us, and God has a purpose for us. That there is a power when we declare the word of God. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus gave the Great Commission. He said, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Church, I want you to know this, and I want you to believe this and walk in this today. There is a power that comes when you declare the truth of Jesus to the world around you. I'll never forget. Um, it was around 2000, and... We were in Ukraine, and we, we took a, a trip through, a missions trip, and we ended up in Germany. And, and the people that we were with were friends with and, and connected to a great evangelist by the name of Reinhard Bonnke. And he was a, a missionary at the time, an evangelist who had seen millions and millions of people come to Christ in Africa. And we had the opportunity to sit with him in his office 
And I'll never forget sitting at his boardroom table, and we're all sitting there, these young people, all hungry, just got, what, what do you have for us? And I'll never forget him looking at this with this intense gaze. And he said, I want to tell you something. The preaching of the gospel is the most powerful weapon that you have against the kingdom of darkness. Preach it. Tell it. Declare it. Because when you declare it, that is when the power comes. And he, he, he encouraged us and inspired us. He says, you need to speak it. You need to tell those around you. I want you to understand something, that that message on your lips has power. It doesn't have to be a perfect message. It's the message from your heart. God's plan to reach people is the church. Not programs and plans, but we, the church. God chooses a man. I was talking to a friend of mine a while back, and he was sharing a story that happened to him. Um, and he, um, many of you might know Brian Walren. We had him come and speak here uh, about two or three months ago. And Brian was up on a mountaintop, and he was praying, and he felt like the Lord said, I want you to go down. I have somebody for you to meet. And, and so Brian said, okay, Lord, I'm ready. You know, what do you have for me? And so he's walking down, and he walks through this park, and there's a basketball court there, and there's a young man sitting underneath the hoop. And as he's walking, he kind of glances at him, and the guy says, Brian! And Brian goes, what? He had no idea who this guy was. And the guy stands up and says, hey, about a year and a half ago, you spoke to me. And I just wanted to let you know that it impacted me. And this morning, he says, Brian, I was praying, and I was asking God to show himself to me. See, this young man had been grown up Sikh, and, and then he'd become a Buddhist, and then he'd become disenfranchised with that, and he was seeking the living God. And he says, this morning, I was praying, and I was asking God to show himself to me, and nothing happened. And then you showed up. And Brian was able, at that very point in time, at the center court, he told me, he led this young man to the Lord in, in that moment. And God chose to use a man. God can choose to use you. God can choose to use us. Number one, God chose a man, not an angel, as his messenger of the gospel. Number two, God is not looking for a perfection from his messengers. Remember what happened with Peter? Verse 13, a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. And Peter replied, no. <laughs> he said, no. He said no to God. That's a problem. <laughs> okay? He's not a perfect person. This isn't the story of, you know, get up, rise, kill and eat. Yes, my Lord, I shall do as you command. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I love this statement from David Guzik. He says, Peter was saved, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and Peter had been greatly used by God. At the same time, Peter was still Peter. God didn't use him because he was perfect, but because he was in the right direction and he was available. We often fall into the trap of thinking that we must be perfected until God can truly use us. Can I just encourage you this morning, church, if you're feeling like, man, I just, I don't have it. I'm not all together. I don't have my answers. I, I don't have my, my, you know, my theology down. I don't, even, I don't even know what theology means. Um, you know, I don't even know what it is. Guess what? God, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be available. You just have to be moving in the right direction. God, I'm ready to be used by you today. God, what do you have for me? Who do you want me to reach out to? Who's the person that you want me to talk to? Who's the one that you want me to, to speak truth to this morning or today? Just be available. 
Just be available. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 says, Each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness, so now I'm glad to boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Church, God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people who are willing and ready to be used by him. We are the church, and we are not perfect. We are the church, and we are broken in so many ways. But God still chooses to use a broken vessel to glorify and magnify his name. Why is that? Because the glory of God is always revealed in restoration anyway. So you might be sitting here this morning feeling disqualified, feeling like you are, uh, a, 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 you're not worthy of, of the call of God on your life. But I want to tell you this morning that it's not perfection. It's being available and willing to be used by God. He's the perfecter. He's the healer. He's the restorer. He's your righteousness. He's your joy. He's your peace. He's your strength this morning. Amen? Would we be willing to be used by him? Next observation, number three. God orchestrated the entire encounter. Remember that pressure I was telling you about that I felt earlier? That whole, you know, man, this person's eternal destiny depends upon the words that I use right now. Guess what? It's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And I want you to know something about this story. God orchestrated the whole thing. Okay, this wasn't Cornelius' good idea on a morning. This wasn't Peter all of a sudden thinking, hmm, I think Caesarea would be nice at this time of the year. That was not what happened. (laughs) It was God who was working it all together. God was involved. And guess what? God is involved in and engaged in the salvation of the world. Amen? It's not up to us to save people. He does it. He does it. We're simply the messengers. We're simply the carriers of the kingdom. We, the church, are called to care for and bring people to Jesus and then he does the saving. I had a conversation like this with somebody um, a couple of weeks ago. A friend of mine called me up, and, uh, and he says, Matt, c- can I ask you a question as a pastor? And I said, oh, boy, here we go. And he goes, I, I, have, this, I have this friend, and this friend I have, we, we've got a problem because she's falling into a lifestyle that I know is not good. I said, well, is she a follower of Jesus? He says, no, she, she's not a Christian. I said, okay. And he says, so she's not a Christian, and I can see that where she's going is going to lead to some very bad things. And I have a prophetic word on my heart that I feel like I'm supposed to share with her, and I'm supposed to tell her that she needs to turn her life around right now or else she's going to be separated from God. Intense, right? And he goes, so so what do I do? (laughs) And I'm like, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. And I'm like, okay, I hear you. He's like, because I feel this weight, and I feel like if I don't do it, I'm going to be responsible for her eternal destiny. Oh, let's just make it heavier. Okay. And I'm like praying. I'm like, God, what do you want to do? And I'm like, Lord, Jesus, show me. And then I got it. And and I said this to him. I said, Justin, my friend, I said, what if you do this? What if instead of talking to her about a lifestyle choice that might destroy her or ruin her, what if instead you point the way to a life that she's missing? What if you tell her and show her about a relationship with the living God? that would in fact fulfill and satisfy her? What if you tell her about the truth of Jesus and his 
work in people's lives. And the fact that he can save people and set them free and he can, he can give them new life and he can give them life and life abundantly. What if you, instead of telling her about the awful things that she's doing or that the, the, the path that she's leading on is, is leading to destruction, what if instead you point her to a better path? And what if instead of doing that, you care for her and bring her to Jesus? And as I was sharing that truth, I felt the Holy Spirit all over that conversation. And on the other end of the line, I could hear him as well going, oh, yeah, that's it. And I said, that's it. That's what I feel like the Lord wants you to do. I feel like God wants you to come around her, to love on her, bring her out to church. And I feel like what God wants you to do is lead her to him. Because guess what? I asked him, can you save her? He goes, no, I can't save her. But can Jesus save her? Yeah. So what are we after here? We're after her heart because that's what God's after. God can save her. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's God who saves. It's God who restores. It's Jesus who brings life and joy and peace. And our job, church, is to care for people and bring them to Jesus. Bring them to him. We, the church, are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. Now, point number four. So good though. Number four, God works through people who are positioned to be used by him. Yeah. We're talking about we the church. We're talking about the beginning. When we're reading this story in Acts, this is the beginning of the church. This is God's, Matt, Matt referenced this in the beginning. This church, this movement that is happening in Acts is the beginning of God's plan on earth, here on earth. When he left, he said, go and make disciples. Go and tell the world. This is the beginning. I got so excited when I was reading this chapter because I'm like, here it is. God is like weaving the miraculous, just like Matt said, through this story. He's orchestrating it all. It's not people coming up with this. And God is working through people to change lives and to restore people and to save people. And it is so exciting. And what is happening here in Acts is the same thing that God wants to do in his church, in you and I, today, now, in the present. We, the church, this is our mission. This is our call. This is what he wants. He wants to work through us. But what I noticed when I was reading here through chapter 10 is that there's also a responsibility on us as the church. We need to be in position for him to speak through us. Right. You see, Cornelius, he was, it says he was a devout man in the beginning of the chapter. He was a godly man. He yeah. hadn't known Jesus as personal savior yet, but he was a man that had spiritual disciplines. He was praying. It says that he fasted. You can go back and look at all those things. He was a man that obviously, they said his household was in order, right? He was a man that gave um, alms and he was generous. He had spiritual disciplines in place in his life. And God, and he position himself, he, here he was in the beginning of the chapter, in time of prayer. In that place, he created space for the Lord to speak to him. And then I start seeing the God moving, right? And then we've got Peter over in the next part of this chapter. 
And he also is a man that has these spiritual disciplines. Because says he's up on the rooftop. He's praying. He's making time and space for the Lord. They are dwelling in the presence of God. They are abiding. And in that place, what we see is God speaking. We see visions coming. We see an angel coming to speak to Cornelius. We see Peter getting a vision. And I don't know if those things would have happened if not for these men of God creating space and time and the discipline to be with the Lord. And I just really felt that on my heart that, yes, this is our mission. We are the church. We are called to, in our spheres of influences, it might be your neighborhood. It might be down your hallway where your home is in your apartment building. It may be in your workplace. It may be in your family. You may be the only Christian. We all have spheres of influence that God has put us in. And his call and his mission is for us to speak the truth to these people. But we also need to position ourselves like these men of God did. Position ourselves that he can right. work yeah. and speak to us. See, they couldn't have created this in this amazing way that all of a sudden, and I just love how God works. You know, he's speaking to Cornelius, so he sends people, and, um, and Peter's getting a vision about, you know, and it says in my Bible, about, like, you know, this not making uh, unclean things common. Did I get that right? Yes. And he's learning these things. He's getting this revelation that the gospel is for all people. There's no partiality. It's not just for a favored few. The, the gospel message is for everybody. And then all of a sudden, these men show up at his door, and then he welcomes them in. And I see the miraculous being weaved throughout this story. And then, then Peter goes back to the household of Cornelius, and he begins to just speak the gospel, just the truth. And it says the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they were saved, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues, and then they were baptized in water. And that's just like the most powerful Holy Ghost movement ever. That's revival right there. And there's story after story of that. And what, and what caused that? What was the beginning point? And I see men and women, we need to, women too, that are posturing ourselves in a place, posturing themselves in a place for God to be able to speak. They are dwelling and abiding. In Psalm 37, verse 3 and 4, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Dwell. Feed. Delight. Dwell means to remain for a time, to reside. Church, are we dwelling? Are we dwelling in the presence of God? Are we remaining? Are we creating space in our days to just be with God? We did a sermon series at the beginning of this year about abiding. John 15, verse 4, abide in me, Jesus says, and I in you. Because the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, neither can I, unless we abide in him. There is a responsibility on us, the church, the people of God. He wants to use us. He wants to work through us. He wants to speak to us. But we need to be a people that are posturing and positioning ourselves in order to hear what he wants. I want to be a people. I want to be a church that's receiving visions and dreams and words from the Lord. Don't you? I want to be people, that person that is hearing God. And as I'm creating space and I'm dwelling and abiding, that I'm getting revelation from this word as it just comes out and alive to me because I have dwelled, I've remained, I've abided in the presence of God. Abide means the same thing, to remain, to continue, to stay. God is looking for a church God is looking for a people that will 
make the time. A people that will clear out the noise and take the time to pursue him, to seek him, to get into his presence. I want to be that person. Spiritual disciplines in our lives. Church, we need it. We need it. God can do anything and he can work through us even if we're being lazy. But I believe that there is a power that comes upon us as we take time praying, reading the word, spending time in solitude and just clearing out the noise. That's what he's asking us. You know, Jesus made time to get alone with God and pray. Jesus, and if he did, it says in March, Mark 1, verse 35, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. That's Jesus. Luke 5, verse 16. So he, Jesus himself, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be sinless. You don't need to be blameless. We all fall short of the glory of God. That, that's just a known. But we do need to be positioned. We do have a responsibility to get in, to push into his yeah. presence, to make yeah. time, to get into the word of God. Church, I believe that as the people of God, I believe so strongly as the people of God, yeah. make the time. Do get into the word. God is going to move because yeah. this is, we're, we're it. We're the plan. We are the plan. The people of God are the plan for the salvation of the world. It's us. And so we have a responsibility. God wants a church that is seeking after him. I want to respond to that. Yes. Look at how he speaks in Acts 10. Look at his miraculous. Be in awe of what is going on in this story about Cornelius and Peter and how he brings them together. Man can't plan that. That is God. I want to be somebody that is experiencing and walking in the fullness and the miraculous of God through how I speak and how God leads and guides me in my days and in my months and in my life. I want to be a person that is obeying and responding to the voice that I'm hearing in the secret place. Do you want that? I want that for us as a church. I want that to be our heart's cry. God is speaking. His people are responding in Acts 10. The men of God are responding. And then the truth, the gospel message is spoken. And the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard that word. And they spoke in tongues and they magnified God. That's verse 46 of Acts. He will move. When we position ourselves in a place and posture ourselves in a place to hear his message and to see what he is wanting to do, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first church. That is what he's calling us to. Get back into the regular rhythm of spending time with the Lord. You know, worship him. Turn on worship in your home, in your car, on your drives, where you're, if you're commuting to work or just wherever you may be going. Get into the presence of God often, all the time, on purpose. Discipline yourself. That is how God will use you and I and he can move through us. We are a church on this mission. We need to be um, Jesus in our circle of influences. He needs us. He needs us. And we need to be obedient and listening. You know how Matt in his story, when he's listening, I have been on those, in those conversations when you're like, someone's asking you something and you're like, oh, I don't have the words here at all. Holy Spirit. You know, and, and, and there is an intimacy that, that you cultivate so that when you're in times and conversations like that, there's an intimacy that's cultivated in the secret place so that when you're in a time when you're like, I don't have the answers, Lord, it comes because I've spent time cultivating 
this relationship. And I know my father's voice. Are you making space for him in your life, church? Am I making space? Are we, are we disciplining ourselves in our time? God's plan is to use the church, you and I. Not this building, not the programs we put on, not the events that we throw. Those are all great and a tool he uses. But actually, he needs you and I to be postured and ready and available and listening and so attentive, paying attention to what he wants to do. Would you be able to hear him speak to you? Or are you caught up in the noise? Is your voice, or the voice is cluttered? Is your soul cluttered? Would you be able to hear him this morning? Do you want to see a move of God, church? Do you want to see revival break out? Do you want to see people coming to know Jesus? People coming off the street, family members that have not known the Lord for years and years. Do you want to see it? I know we do. That's what we want. Let's be a people that seek the Lord with all our hearts. Amen. So now we're going to close this message this morning. The word of God has gone forth. It will not return void. But what we want to do in this morning is position ourselves as a response. And so what I want to do is I want to just take a few moments in the quiet of this room. And I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And I want you to open up your heart. You can close your eyes if you need to. You can change your posture if you need to. But I want you to listen for the voice of God this morning to speak to you. And maybe God's just going to speak to you in a way that says, I love you. I'm for you. Maybe God's going to speak to you about something in your life that he wants you to work on. Or maybe God's going to speak to you this morning about a person that he wants you to start praying for and believing God for. But let's just wait for a moment. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. I'm just going to take a few moments to wait this morning and position ourselves. Holy Spirit, come.
Lord, we thank you that your word declares to us that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit that we overcome. And today, Lord God, we pray for your presence to linger in our lives. We pray, Lord Jesus, that as we leave these, this room today, Lord God, and we go out into the world around us, that we would be the church. Father, we thank you for the message of the truth that you've given us, the message of good news and the message of the gospel. And we pray this morning, Lord God, that you would make it come alive in our hearts. Oh, Jesus, so that when we're poked, it would come out. When we encounter others, Lord Jesus, it would come out. We pray for that wisdom and that intimacy and that connection that would give us the words to say when they're needed. And we pray that you would give us the grace to represent you to the world around us. We thank you, Lord God, that we are here to care for and bring people to you. And we thank you that you're the God that saves. And even in the most impossible circumstances, when no one seems to think that it can happen, you can bring life and salvation and hope. Our trust and our hope is in you, Lord. We thank you for this now. Thank you for the work you're doing in our hearts. In Jesus' name.